Well, good morning, and thank you for tuning into this week's broadcast from River of Life Fellowship Church in Copenhagen, New York. My name is George Graham, the senior pastor. And like everybody else, we got snow like crazy last week, so obviously we didn't have service. So what I did is I spun up the old Wayback Machine and uh, grabbed a message from 2019 at the end of the year titled, New Every Morning. I hope this gives you some hope for the coming new year. Lord bless you. So this morning, we're only a couple of days away from the new year and the beginning uh, of our fast. Now, with that in mind, I want to talk to you about something that I believe could be, uh, that I, I believe the Lord gave me uh, quite a while ago, and I've just been kind of sitting on it uh, and, and waiting for the end of the year. At the end of the year, I like to, I usually will try to do some sort of wrap-up of the year and like a forecast at the beginning. I want to wait, and we're going to do that uh, next week. Um, but this this year, I want to focus on something. Uh, that I think can be very empowering for the year to come, to be very releasing to the year to come, and something that I believe so many of us here in this room struggle with on a regular basis, whether you want to admit it or not. I've had enough conversations with people. I've talked to enough people about their life where I've, where I've come to the understanding that this is a systemic issue within, within the church, not just ours, all across the country. And I think God is is moving us into a place of freedom and moving us into a place of, of redemption, moving us into a place of hope. Um, but we have to we have to change something about ourselves. So I titled this, this today's message "New Every uh, uh, Yeah New Every Morning." Um, so you will not find today's joy until you let go of yesterday's pain. Okay, so. There are a number of promises within Scripture that I absolutely love and I absolutely gravitate uh, gravitate to, and two, I think more than any, um, stand out to me. Okay, and I think there there are things that we need to 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 not only know as believers, but know that we know that we know. We have to be absolutely convinced of these, otherwise our our walk in the Lord becomes very very difficult. And some of them, and the first one basically is this: that if we confess our sins, repent, and follow Christ, we're forgiven. That's a promise found in Scripture, right? Should we know that we know that we know that that is absolutely true? Yes, we should. Now think about this: Second Corinthians five seventeen says, "Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a." New creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. You're not even the same person you were when, before you met the Lord. You're actually, you are, you are physically down to your DNA, a different person than you were before you actually came to know the Lord. Romans 6, 4 through 7 says, therefore we were buried with him through baptism into death, just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in the newness of life. For if we have been united together in the likeness of his death, certainly we also shall be in the likeness of his resurrection, made new, made new. The old man was buried, the new man rose. Uh, the rest of that verse, knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away with, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves of sin, for he who has died has been freed from 
sin. So if we have died, then we are no longer bound to what was binding us before. Right? We should know that we know that we know that this is true. But so many of us struggle with these things. How about another one? Colossians 3, 8 through 11 reads, but now you yourselves are put, uh, uh, are to put off all these. You're to put off all these anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy language out of your mouth. I'm not exactly sure where else it would come out of, but filthy language out of your mouth. Do not lie to one another since you have put off the old man with his deeds. See, that described the old man. And you have put on the new man who is renewed in the knowledge according to the image of him who has created him. Where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcised nor uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave nor free. But Christ is all and in all. We are absolutely new. We are absolutely renewed. We are completely different. We struggle with that. But see, that's a promise of God. It's the same, it's in the same vein as Jesus saying, look, I have forgiven you and I give you entrance into heaven. By the way, I have done this and you are a new creation. Why do we hang on to heaven while allowing ourselves to live in this hell? You understand what I'm saying? See, we think that we're, we can't have access to that because we're not in heaven yet. Jesus never said that. He, we're supposed to have life and have it abundantly. Now, there's another, there's another promise that I think is, is the key here. And that the revelation of what we have just talked about, okay? The revelation of what we just talked about, if you get that into your head, here's the other promise. That you have access to unbelievable, unquenchable, unstoppable joy, hope, purpose, and fulfillment. If you get that, uh, that first promise into your head, you have access to unquenchable, unstoppable joy. How many of you walk in the fullness of that every day? Like ridiculous joy. People don't even like being around you. You know what I mean? Hallmark is making a new movie. They've asked you to play yourself. <laughs> you, you understand what I'm saying? How many of us are walking in the fullness of that every day? Okay, good. No one's lying. But listen to this. Romans 15, 13 says, Now may the God of hope fill you with a reasonable amount of joy and peace. All, all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope. Abound in hope? By the power of the Holy Spirit. How many of us, you know, when you think abound in hope, we're happy to just not be hopeless. We just don't want to abound in hopelessness. Abounding in hope? We want to be some sort of spiritual version of Tigger? Boing, 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 boing. How about James 1, 2, and 3? My brethren, count it in a reasonable degree joy. Hmm. All joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. You know that not all trials that he's talking about are bad. Some trials are flattery. Some trials are abundance. Some trials are walking in having a lot. 
not just not having a little. So we think trials are people beating us up. Sometimes trials are when nothing is wrong. Will you become something that God disdains? Meaning arrogant, boastful, proud. Those are also trials. We count it all joy. How many of you are frustrated with that one, right? We get to count it all joy. So when my relatives come over for Thanksgiving next year after Trump has won and, and they sit down and th- I'm sorry, did that come out? That came, I'm sorry. Ah, there's supposed to be a sensor button in that one. I'm sorry. It's like, it's like, sorry. So when that happens and they come over and they flip out, I'm supposed to count that joy. Yes. Relish every moment of it. Okay, I'm pretty sure our Facebook feed has just been kicked off. <laughs> not, not yet. It's just slowed way down. Anyway, how about this one? Galatians 5, 22 and 23 says, but the fruit of the spirit is, okay, so fruit is something that is produced by something that is alive. Plants that are alive produce fruit. Of one kind or another. So the fruit of the spirit, if you have the life of the spirit, which is the rebirth of the spirit, which is what happens if you believe the first promise that we talked about, then in your life, there should be love, joy, peace. Long suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, And whatever that other one is. And self-control. That is the fruit that should be evident in your life if you believe the first promise. How many of us are walking in the fullness of that every day? How many of you are going, I have patience! I have long-suffering because I'm going to make him pray for this for a long time! Okay, long-suffering is not what how you just should describe a... You know, a bad marriage. (laughs) Okay. That's not, that's not what long suffering is. Okay. Long suffering means you are willing to deal with discomfort for an extended period of time in order to get God's word, get God's, uh, uh, um, uh, purposes done. I will deal with discomfort if it means that God's purposes are fulfilled. That's long suffering. All of these things should be in our lives. Now, for those of us who don't live in the land of unicorns and fairy, and, uh, fairy tales, you have probably thought to yourself, you know, it's, it's great that that's what the Bible promises, but how many of us would agree that we too often find ourselves stuck in dark places? This is the time of year where depression is at its highest rates throughout the nation. We get stuck in dark places. Now, think about this. Has this ever described you? You can't find joy even though things are good. You can't find joy, even though things are going well. You can't find a sense of purpose that you used to have, even though there's nothing standing in your way. You pray and you say to yourself, you're in your quiet time, you're crying out to God and you're asking God, I don't want to go through another year of this. God, I can't do this again. Can we just write 2019 off and 2020? Can it be, you know, can it just be like vision 2020? Can we, can we just, can it just be clear? Can it just, can we just not do this again? 
Haven't I dealt with enough? How many of you have ever said that to God? Haven't I done, uh, haven't I gone through enough? Why do I have to do this again? There is an answer for that. And it's probably not the one you're thinking. You can't find peace even though there's no strife. (laughs) So now this begs a question. If we believe the first promise and the fruit of that belief is supposed to be the second one, what happened? What happened? Why don't we walk in the fullness of that every day? What, what is the problem? What is the roadblock between that, between those two promises? What is it? What is, what is driving this away? How did we lose our joy? How did we lose our passion? How did we lose our purpose? I've heard people say, I just feel like I've lost this stuff. I want to tell you a secret. It's never been lost. It's right where it has always been, right next to you. It didn't go anywhere, okay? The promises of God, I don't know if you realize this, they don't have legs. The promises of God don't get fed up and storm out of the room. They don't walk away and go, when you ready, and, you know, they don't, they're not, that's not the way that works. The promises, oh, he just did that. The promises of God are always where he said they would be, right next to you. They follow you through your life. That causes another question that needs to be asked. Why would anybody not access, why would anybody not choose to live in those things? Why would we not choose to have the joy that that, that comes with the knowledge of salvation? Why would we not choose to have the hope? Why would we not choose to live in that purpose? There's a very easy answer to that as well. It's not about choosing not to walk in those things. You see, when it comes to the promises of God in your life, there is not a single thing in this world that can take the promises of God away from you. They are promises of God to his people. Nothing can take them away from you. However, you do not have to walk in them. You don't. Just because God has made it available to you does not mean that you have to walk in it. You have a choice. You have an option to pick those things up or not. And most of us do not pick those things up for a very specific reason. We're tired. We're tired. And we're not tired because of the amazing life that we have. We're tired for another reason. We're tired because we're carrying stuff around with us. You see... We don't let go of the promises of God. We bury them under a pile of our past and under a pile of our pain. We bury them under these things. And it's not that they're not there. It's just we're too tired to dig for them. Because we're carrying around all of this stuff. And you're tired. How many of you would have ever been to that? I'm just tired. God, I'm tired of... 
of not having hope. God, I'm tired of thinking bad about people. Lord, I'm tired of having bad opinions come to my mind. Lord, I'm tired of not being who I used to be. Lord, I used to be this person that had joy in my life. I was happy. I could celebrate. I could, there, I, 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 I had hope for the future and I just don't have that anymore and I'm tired. Ever been there? I've been there a few times. I go back every now, now and then just to say hi to people. No, I don't. I've been there. I know you've been there. Some of you are there right now. Actually, I would say a large percentage of you are there right now. If that wasn't true, I don't believe God would have brought this message forward. Okay, so while we're talking, I want to encourage you to drop the not me. And listen and let God speak to you. Now, there are two parts of our past that we carry around with us. Two very distinctive parts. The first one is things we've done. Some of our past is our own doing. Uh-oh, here comes the consequences of my own actions. They always know where I am. I try to hide from them. They show back up. But you see, some of our past is good. Some of our past is awesome. We have successes in our past. We have good things in our past. We've achieved things, right? We've made things happen. We've done good things. That can be fuel that propels you to your next mission. When you allow those things to be what you concentrate on, what you focus on, that can propel you into the, into the, into your next mission with the, uh, with the Lord. But the problem is that's not all of the, uh, that's not the reality of everything that you've ever done. How many of you know that you have got failures in your past? You have got issues in your life. If you don't believe me, ask your parents or your siblings. Your siblings are probably going to be more than willing to share with you your failings growing up, especially the ones that you forgot that they may have pictures of on their phone, that they're waiting for you to get into government office so they can become the ambassador of Sweden or something like that. We have all made mistakes. We have all hurt people. Do you know that? I mean, can, can, you, can you fully understand that you have caused pain to somebody else? You have hurt someone emotionally or physically or both. You have done that. I guarantee it. We have all done things that bring us shame. I'm sure there is something that the enemy can bring to your mind that completely destroys your countenance. You're riding high. Things are good. Oh, yeah, God is good. And he goes, you remember this? And you go, yeah. <sighs> I'm going to be lucky just to get into heaven. This happens. And we all have sins in our life that we struggle with. We need to understand that, too. We all have some, some piece of sin in our life that we struggle with. And if you don't believe that, you can start your list with denial or pride or arrogance, however you want to say it. We all have that stuff. So these are things we carry around that belong to us. We made them. Our choices created these things. But those aren't that difficult to get past. Getting past your own issues 
believe it or not, is slightly easier than the other type of our past that we carry around with us, stuff that people have done to us. This is a good one. But you know, there are people in your past who are amazing. There are people in your past that you thank God they came and they, they are part of your life. They are the ones that when you are crawling out of the mud puddle, they don't just stand away and go and, and to you, you can do it, come on. They get in the puddle with you and they help you out. There are people who have sowed into your life. They are a constant source of uh, encouragement. They are a constant source that uplifts you. You think to yourself, you know, I, I, I really hope I run into so-and-so today. Those people are in your life. Hang on to those people. But there are other people in your life that we're just going to put in the category of not quite so encouraging. Right? So I got to be careful of the language that I use from the stage. They are special people. They have done special things to you. They may have even hurt you in special ways. Right? Those people exist in your life too. People have hurt you. People have wronged you. And people have sinned against you, some intentionally and some by accident. You know, there is a difference between being offended and getting offended. Someone hurting you and you getting hurt. Sometimes you choose what the purpose behind someone else's actions are and you assign guilt to that. And you actually end up hurting yourself on their behalf. Good job. Not a great way to live. The good times and the good people, they're always awesome. But the disappointments and the failures, the hurts and the pains, for some reason, and I don't know why, but I think this is why the Bible focuses on this so much. We carry what people have, how people have hurt us. We carry that with us throughout our life, like it has some kind of value. Sometimes we lie to ourselves and we call it experience. You need to let that go. No, 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 I learned from that. I'm going to hang on to that. (laughs) Okay, stop. What if Jesus kept everything that he should have learned from just in your life? (laughs) What does he do? He lets it go. I'm not going to get into a frozen course. It's not going to happen. (laughs) Even though some of you are going, please do. Please, I want to see you dance. Um, no. So what do we do? What, what, what do we do in this situation? See, when it comes to our own actions, the best thing we can do is ask for forgiveness from the one that we hurt and try not to do it again. That's the best you got. When you make a mistake, that is the best you have to ask for forgiveness and try not to do it again. There's, there's really nothing else you can do. It's not like, you know, I'm really sorry. Can I paint your house? You know, I mean, that, that's great, but really the apology is about all you got. The rest, as unfair as it sounds, is the responsibility of the one who's been hurt. You see, the hard part of offense is not the person who committed it. The hard part of offense is the person who received it. Because now we are stuck. Now we are damaged. 
Now, I want you to think about something. If I were to take a piece of aluminum foil, something as simple as a piece of aluminum foil, you pull it out of the roll, it's nice and shiny, nice and smooth, right? And then I ball it up. Hmm? Can I make that thing flat again? Some of you are going, I can do it. I can do it. No, you can't. You might make it flat, but the, the physical repercussions of what I've done are always going to be there. The scars are always going to be there. They might be smoothed over, but they're always there. I can apologize to that aluminum foil all day long. I can't take away the damage of what I've done. And when you hurt somebody or when someone has hurt you, it takes you, the one who did nothing, the one who received the wrong, it takes you far longer to get past that than the person who's done the offending. And one of the reasons why it takes us so long is when we get someone, they apologize and we're like, oh, it's good. It's fine. You know, we're, we're good. Everything's better. And we watch them go on with like, with their life, like nothing happened because they happily forget their mistake, but you get to see it all the time. Even though you've said, I forgive you. It's all, it's all good. It's okay. When we know that's not actually true, because if we did, it wouldn't be an issue truth if we did truly forget truly forgive then we wouldn't be reminded of what they did every time we see them we wouldn't want to cross we wouldn't want to make sure that we're on the opposite side of walmart if we see them in the store because we don't want to run into them i have forgiven them because i am long suffering you see we lie to ourselves and we call that experience Oh, I just don't, I just don't want to cause a scene. No, you don't want to be reminded of what you're hanging on to. That's the problem. We hang on to that hurt like it, like it owes us money. I want you to think about something. When Jesus rose and appeared to the disciples, were his scars gone? No. We will, think about this. We will see the scars that Jesus bears when we see him in heaven. That should make us think about the power of hurt and how long it will last. Jesus carries the scars of our actions if God carries the scars of our actions, how much more other mortal people that we deal with on a daily basis? How much more do we carry the scars of other people? But you see, there's this, there's this issue that we, have to, that we have to deal with. We need to get free of this. If we have to carry this, I mean, if, if this stuff is going to come with us, what are we going to do with it? What are we going to make out of these things? What are we going to turn those wrongs into? How do we turn them from something that weighs us down to something that lifts, lifts us up? How do we make them a source of joy and a source of hope rather than something that takes our joy and takes our hope? I don't have an amazing answer for you, but I do have an answer for you. And it begins like this. The first thing you need to do is come to the realization that 
No matter what happened to you in the past, right now, at this moment, you're the problem. Did you hear me? No matter what happened to you in the past, right now, at this moment, you are the problem, not them. That's difficult to come to terms with because we think, I didn't do anything. I didn't ask for this. Ever said that to yourself? I didn't ask for this. It's not right that I have to bear the penalty of somebody else's dumb actions. Imagine praying that to Jesus. It is not fair that I have to carry the burden of somebody else's stupidity. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Want to see my hand? You're right. It's not fair. But boy, does it make us understand the character and nature of God, who not only forgives us when we wrong him, he still roots for us after the fact. Something good for you. Imagine rooting for the success of the person you hate the most. I don't hate anybody, Pastor. We're going to go back to that arrogance and denial thing later. We all have that person. We all have these things in our lives. See, when people hurt us, we are commanded in Scripture to forgive. And we might say, Lord, I, I, I forgive them. They may even be sitting, standing in front of us saying, look, I, I really screwed up. Please forgive me. I, I, sh- I should not have done that. I've had those conversations with people in this room. I have. I'm not perfect. Not by a long shot. If I was perfect, I'd be taller. <laughs> but when we get hurt, even when, the, even when people apologize to us, we have a choice to hold on to those things or not. Now, earlier I said the reason that we don't access the joy in our life is because we're tired. The reason that we're tired is not because so many bad things have happened to us. It's because those bad things continue to happen to us every day because we carry them around with us constantly. Now, think about this. They're empty. Okay, now, uh, you know, I've experienced a lot of things in my life, so I want to I make sure that I carry this experience around with me so that I don't run into the same problems again. It's very important that I hang on to these things. They make me who I am. I know, you're a jerk. You should drop them. These have shaped my life. You're right, they have. Should they have? Now, here's something that ends up happening, and I see this constantly. People come to the altar, and I hear prayers like this. God, there's so much going on in my life. Give me the strength to stand up underneath this. Give me the strength to hang on to this. And God says, I never asked you to hang on to this. I asked you to lay them down. Why would we ever ask for the strength to carry all of this crap with us? God had never asked us to carry this. He asked us to lay it down. He asked us to bring it him, bring it to him and drop it like a hot rock. These are not things that we need to be bringing with us. They don't make you who you are. They keep you from becoming who you can be. 
They weigh you down. You're constantly dealing with this garbage. And really in your life, the very fabric of what God has for you, you don't have the strength to deal with it because you have to dig through this crap to get it. God has never asked us to hang on to these things. He asked us to let them go. But God, I didn't bring this to me. I know it's not yours. This is other people's garbage. This is their mistake. Don't turn it into yours. Wouldn't it be easy if it was just that simple? You know, boy, pastor, you've changed everything about my life. I walk like I'm on feathers now. I'm just going to bounce around the world. I'm going to become that spiritual tigger. And I'm going to pray against all the heffalumps and woozles in the world. Those of you who laugh, now I know you're old. Why do we hang on to this stuff? I can't tell you why you hang on to it, but I can give you an idea what happens when you hang on to it. You see, listen to this. Matthew 6, 14 and 15 says, for if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your father forgive your trespasses. Now, let me ask you something. If I hang on to all of this, is it possible for me to forgive? When I am reminded every single day of the hurt that so-and-so caused me, even if I want to say that I'm also reminded of how much I've forgiven them, good for you. I made a commitment to myself a long time ago. I was not going to put my salvation at risk for somebody else's mistake. I make enough of my own. So when, when things happen and people hurt me, I, I'll, I'll be sore for a day or so, but I get over it really quick. Actually, some of my friends have told me I get over it annoyingly quick. Because I deal with it, I compartmentalize it, and I throw it away. Because I don't need to bring it with me. But if I grab hold of this stuff, and I carry it around with me every day, hey, pastor, how you doing? I'm doing pretty good. Um, uh, so here's my friends, anger, resentment, and gossip. Uh, uh, nothing personal. I don't want to talk to you about it unless you ask. I can't forgive because there's an essential part of forgiving. It's casting away. Jesus forgives us. And what does he do? He casts them, casts our sins into the sea of forgetfulness. He remembers them no more. They're as far as the east is from the west from him. So why do we carry ours with us? To remind us of how forgiving we are? That's, that works out really well, doesn't it? It doesn't. We carry this stuff. I think it's because the enemy wants us to just hang on to this. We're constantly reminded of who we are and how better, how much better we are than the other person. I'm so much better than that person who did this because look how much I've forgiven them. Look how much damage they've caused in their life. And look how forgiving I am. Yeah, yeah, I'm forgiving. That's right. I'm planning their death, but I'm forgiving. Now, I want you to think about this. Here is the reason you can't access the hope, the joy, the purpose, and the freedom promised by God for all those who believe. 
And it's found in Proverbs 28. He who covers his sins will not prosper. But whoever confesses, should we just stop there? And forsakes, and forsakes, them will have mercy. Happy is the man who is always reverent, but he who hardens his heart will fall into calamity. The reason we get held back, the reason we don't understand why the joy that we used to have isn't available to us right now, the reason that we're having a difficult time in our life is because we're too busy carrying around yesterday, we have no access to today, and don't even think about tomorrow. You're tired because of somebody else's mistakes. Put them down. Let them go. It's not helping you. During this time of fast, during this time of drawing close to the Lord, I want to encourage you. I know I've been talking for a long time. I'm going to jump out here. I want to encourage you to do one specific thing. Pray that God renews your mind so that you can get rid of this. Not just not thinking about it anymore. I mean free from underneath it. It is no longer holding you captive. It has no longer got a hold on you. That person that you used to try to get to the other side of the store with, now you're going to find your way to the side of the store they're in, hopefully that you run into them so that you can let them know that you care about them and you root for them and you're on their side. Take the power away from the enemy and give it back to God where it belongs. We can't do that when we're constantly focused on this garbage. God has freedom for you in the coming year, but it's going to require you letting go of everything in the past. It doesn't help you. It doesn't move you forward. It actually drags behind you like an anchor. You want the strength. You want the freedom. You want the power that comes with the promise for those who believe. Freedom's waiting for you. The only obstacle is you. That's the only obstacle in your way. You. You are hanging on to these. You are the one holding on to the past. So when you pray to God, Lord, it's not fair. I don't want to do this again. God is saying, that's right. I don't want to do it again either. So get rid of it. <laughs> 